the reason why it's obvious to us is because when you look at God's plan for Adam and Eve in the beginning of creation, they were meant to be one and work together. It was only because of sin that then the man had dominance over the woman and became the weaker vessel. So you don't hear that kind of language in the Garden of Eden. And the way I like to look at it is if you introduce yourself to Superman or Superwoman and you meet them, how many know both are going to be strong, both, you know, in that, in that kind of world, the DC world, and both of them are going to have powers, you know. And that's the way I kind of see Adam and Eve in the Garden. Now, even though... When God created man, he created him first, and then woman out of man, and woman was there to help and serve uh, the man. The service towards the man, everybody get this, did not lessen her authority and ability. Because if you believe that, then that means Jesus is less in his nature than the Father. And we believe in the equality of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? So the Bible says that she came as a helpmeet. She came afterward in that, in that creation moment. But that doesn't mean she's less than. Because then if you believe that, then you have to believe that women are less than men even till today because they are a different gender. And so in other words, you would be believing in some kind of what, uh, you know, the Bible uh, or what today's culture says is like chauvinism, you know, and male privilege. And in some ways that, that may be true that there's differences between men and women, but the differences do not equate to better. Can I hear an amen to that? And so uh, what you see then is in the Old Testament, God giving rules and laws that applied to certain groups of people. And those rules and laws had to be followed. And when you look at the rules and laws for the women, it was different than it was for the men. But you can see that in the midst of that time, God still showed his heart towards the women. So when you think about after uh, the parting of the Red Sea and they cross through, who's the first one to begin to start praising God and leading the congregation? Does anybody know? The women, and it's Miriam leading the women. And they're prophetically gifted in that way. But yet they weren't able to be Levites. They weren't able to be like David in the temple. And yet God is using them in that moment. And so there's a prophetic moment there that's happening. Later on, after the time of Joshua, you begin the season of the judges. And you begin to see that God chooses a female judge. Everybody say, Deborah. Thank you. Now, you have to understand this, that God choosing Deborah would not be a sin. So those who think that women being in leadership equals sin, then that would mean the father sinned in the Old Testament. Do you ever see a place where God in the Old Testament uses a homosexual, the Sodomites as they were known, Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what they were known as, just like the Ninevites, the Sodomites. Did you see God use a Sodomite in their sin in leadership? No, did you ever see God use in their sin an approval, an adulterer or a murderer? We're not talking about people's past and how God has forgiven them for that. We're talking about while they're in it and doing it and it goes unchecked. No, so when you see God using a Deborah, you see God affirming that females can lead the nation of Israel. Can I hear an amen to that? 
So that is not a, uh, a God compromising. That is God showing us what he is going to do. And then as well, when you get into the book of the kings, you also begin to see them implement queenship. Now, you don't uh, really see God commanding kings or queens. He actually, um, he actually warns them of having kings and what will become of it. But here's something that's interesting, that though God never intended as his first plan to lead them through, kings, it was to be through prophets, as they reject the prophets, uh, especially Samuel being that last prophetic leader, they have Saul, but then God chooses a king, and then from the king, David, and his line comes the king of kings, Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? So it's like God using things that are not in his intention as his first will, but God orchestrating it to his greater will. So we would say God's permissive will versus God's uh, commanding will and God's overarching will. And so what you then also see is you see righteous queens that at different times led the people of Israel. So sometimes people will say, uh, you know, when you look at female leadership, they think of like a Jezebel. And what's very unique about this is that oftentimes people who challenge our church on female leadership are, are, are oftentimes, and I'm not saying everyone, but please hear me on this, oftentimes female that struggle with the Jezebel spirit. That is so strange, isn't it? It's the very ones, listen, that Paul says, hush your mouth, women, do not talk, go home and talk to your husband, and if you don't, listen to your daddy. And it's those kind of women that are out of order who actually want to confront me as a man and say I shouldn't allow women in ministry. Well, practice what you preach and be quiet while I talk, woman. It's strange when you have to flip it on them like that, but it's good to help people like that. Just like when people want to think about, here's a side issue to our culture today, thinking that the Israelite people are the colonizers and that the, the people of Palestine are actually the native to the land. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> but welcome to opposite world where a woman will confront a pastor about how women shouldn't have a voice in church okay, uh, you can play stupid games and get stupid prizes somewhere else, but I don't do that. If you want me to honor your argument, then at least give the point that I'm already making that you have a voice and you can say something. If you want to make an argument, then you're contradicting yourself by saying at the end of your argument, you're going to zip your lip and sit down and say nothing. Do you guys understand? It's like, I'm going to sin to do something good, and then I'll go back to sinning. No, 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 no. Stay in righteousness, stay in holiness, stay in consistency. So we're honoring today our female pastors because that's who's here today in the first service. We have male pastors as well. But I really wanted to explain this. So going back to this, Jesus in the Old Testament, same yesterday, today, and forever, appointing Deborah as a leader is not God violating his law in any way. And the same kind of uh, illustration of this is God using Gentiles. You see the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, not being a uh, priest from the Levitical order, but yet he's known to be a godly priest. This reminds us that God can use people from other nations and other backgrounds to bless his people. Now, don't think of that priest being an open door to universalism, that this would somehow be a Hindu priest and a Hindu priest and Moses and his priesthood are hanging out. No, this is showing you that throughout the ages, as well as you see in Acts 17, that God would call out people who had not yet interacted 
connected with Israel to serve the one true God. Can I hear an amen to that? So there's a great blessing that's happening there, and Romans also talks about it, that they're looking inside their conscience and the creation of the world on the outside. So inside in the conscience, outside in creation, and they're calling out to God, and God meets them and finds them, and some of these tribes had godly leadership. There's actually a book written by a modern missionary who went to some of these lands and saw in what we would see as unreached people groups, them serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, very similar to the Israelite ways. Once again, this is not saying comparative religion means we now affirm various aspects of Hinduism, Buddhism, and so forth, though that does point to the similar origin of these religions all coming from God, because I may know there's one God that created us, and they have different versions of that. But what I'm saying is, when you see God's inclusion of the Gentiles into authority, the priest of Midian there, the the father-in-law of Moses, teaching Moses how to orchestrate his leadership, and then God showing up with the boom shakalaka power of God. How many know that's good news for Gentiles? But that did not mean, everybody understand this, that did not mean that now Moses' father-in-law could go serve in the Levitical priesthood. Does everybody get that? But what does that do? That that gives you a breadcrumb of what God is doing in the Old Testament. And how many can see that with Deborah and some godly queens and some godly prophetesses? Can I hear an amen to that? Okay, and then you get to the New Testament, the crescendo of God's plan for all humanity, male and female, young and old, Jew and Gentile. What do you see him doing? You see him appointing the 12 male apostles, but also sending out what I believe the women with the 70. And so you begin to see that, yes, God will honor the man's leadership, And he will fulfill his promises to Israel, but he's also going to begin to lift up the women. And how is this affirmed? At the resurrection of Jesus, who does he command to go spread the message of his resurrection? The women at the tomb. So the first preachers of the new covenant that the Messiah has risen that will then speak with authority to the 12 apostles, or minus Judas at this point, you understand, is a woman. So if you have something against women preachers, you have something against Jesus ordaining them to instruct the 12. But then what you see and brought up over time is that Paul, specifically Paul, begins to struggle with women that are out of bounds in the church, and he has to begin to rein them in, and those restrictions that are brought up become the verses that those who are against women preachers use to discredit their ministry. So just turn with me quickly a few chapters over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and notice what it says here in verse uh, verse 8. Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Now, please put that in the King James, because I have not met other than the Amish 
people who even follow this who want to follow the second part of what Paul is saying. So in other words, the very women who argue with me or other churches who argue with me about women in leadership at the same time as they're arguing with me, once again, contradicting themselves, talking to a man with authority, which if they're going to take this verse serious, they shouldn't be doing. Can I hear an amen to that? Just helping them see their hypocrisy. But oftentimes, they're doing it with gold, earrings, and braided hair. Hello? Now, do we want to forbid braiding of the hair? Do we want to, as it says, broidered hair there? Go down just a little bit, verse 9, so they can see it in context. Now, of course, we would say modest apparel, shamefacedness, and sobriety would be good. But are we going to forbid the broiding of hair or of gold itself? All the women here that have gold, you're sinners. No, pearls or costly array. And then it's like, what is a costly array? But notice this, going back to the uh, NIV. Notice this that he must be dealing with somebody here or some group of women here where that means something, where braided hair means something. How many know if I'm talking about women today and I say tight booty shorts, that means something? That doesn't mean you're going to the gym. That doesn't mean that you're a gymnast. That doesn't mean that, you know, because they'll wear tight shorts too. But, what, but if I say tight booty shorts, how many know what I'm talking about? That, that is now saying, oh, there's somebody out here. They're not righteous. They're ratchet. Right? And if I said, hey, sisters, don't wear tight booty shorts. That doesn't mean you can't go to the gym. That doesn't mean you can't wear your yoga pants or whatever. That doesn't mean you can't be involved in female sports, track and field. But what I would be saying is when you're going out in public, don't show the whole world what God and your mama gave you. Amen. Now, but if I said to you, everybody just track with me. If I said to you right now, don't braid your hair. What, what does that say about your holiness? That doesn't say anything. Don't braid your hair. So, so what, what does that mean? Does that mean someone who braids their hair is naughty? And, and, and listen, I'm not talking about anybody here braiding hair, right? So I'm just giving this as an example because I see some braids here. They'd, please, that's not what I'm saying. But just understand, I mean, no, I, I braid my hair. I don't braid my hair. What, what difference does that make? So guess what? You look back in history, the prostitutes at that time as a part of their culture to signify they were not the kind of woman that you would bring home to meet your mom would braid their hair so by the look of them you would see Oh, that's an OnlyFan girl. <laughs> Come on. And I know that we're not supposed to judge by appearances because God looks at the heart. But how many know appearances can tell you a lot about somebody, though? <laughs> if I appear like I'm going to mug you, you better walk to the other side of the street because I might just do that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I just want to say this to all the young people. I don't want to see any videos of any young people getting upset that store owners look at you crazy when you walk in after they've just been looted by 100 young people last week. Do you understand what I'm saying? So young people, if you want to be treated different, don't look like the ones who just looted them last week. Come and be respectful to me like, oh, they're watching me now. Yeah, they're watching you. 100 people who look just like you walked in there and robbed the whole store. So come in there with respect and honor. Do you guys get what I'm saying? I'm not talking about stereotyping always working. I'm just saying if you live in a culture that has watched 100 young people tear it downtown, beat people, jump on top of the car, and then you all walk into the store and say, now they're looking at me. Yeah, well, I wonder why. 
Just like you look at the police. Hello? Why are you looking at the police? Because you feel a policeman's going to do a certain thing to you. They're thinking you're going to do a certain thing to their store. And I was showing my wife this in San Francisco because they have these laws now that under $1,000 you can steal it and you don't get a felony. They're just walking around in the open air. They say as many as 50 cars in a row on San Francisco streets will get broken into. And people are just watching them. And they literally have a car like they're going grocery shopping. I I saw this. The car is driving with the door open. Smash, grab, put it in, keep walking. I mean, this is what we've come to in our culture. So, yes, young people, be different, be holy, be godly. Amen? And it's not so much uh, by the way you dress and and those kinds of things. It's the way you look in your eyes. I'm just going to tell some young people this right now. It's the way you look at people and show them respect, that people will understand who you are. That's why I say to my young people, look adults in the eyes. Give them a nod. Hello, how are you doing? And you'll be treated with uh, so much respect. You'll be treated differently. Amen. Now, going back to this, we're understanding that in the culture, that had to mean something. In our culture, does a woman braiding her hair mean anything? Or an elaborate hairstyle, or gold, or pearls, or expensive clothes? No. But, but if I put up here OnlyFans, and you would start to look at them, you would see some things in common. How many know you would see some duck lips? You would see a lot of the duck lips, Right? You would see a lot of the fake tans. You would see a lot of the the gold and the jewelry. You would see a lot of the tight shirts. So if I was warning our young ladies to dress this, I would warn against that. Warn against getting fillers. Warn against getting uh, things adjusted on your body. I would warn against you trying to show off all the time. Okay, now go ahead. Verse 11, a, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be what? So now do you understand, if I got a woman telling me she doesn't like woman pastors, the first thing I should just say to her, according to the scripture, is what? Shh, you be quiet. Men tech, men business now, men talking. Oh, they're going to get upset. Oh, but I thought you wanted me to follow this. Hello? But if you're not following it, then I have permission to rebuke you. Oh, so you do believe there's time to teach a man then? Oh, if a man don't know the word, I have permission to teach him. Oh, but then once I know it, I can tell you to be quiet then? It's hypocrisy. At least what a person should do who doesn't agree with me on this, and they are a woman, they should at least come and say, Pastor, I'm going to use the card that you give women to talk and have a voice. Would you mind if I do that and just voice some of my concerns and disagreements? Because I want to learn. But I'm going to use the card that you actually afford me to have. I'm going to use the privilege that you've given me. Is that okay? And then we would, okay, yes, let's talk about it. Right? But how many know you ain't never been to a church where a woman was quiet? (laughs) So I don't care what church you go to that says we don't allow women preachers and teachers. How many know the last thing in that church that women are quiet? They are not quiet. They're singing in the choir. They're doing the announcements. They're teaching our children. And so what they want to insert in here is their but, 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 it's different, but, 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 but. But you see, when we say, but it's culture, then they say, oh, you're backslidden. You're not listening to Paul. But then I say, well, if, if, if Paul meant this as his once and for all law, why is it, now go to Romans chapter, six, uh, Romans chapter 16, please. Why is it Paul gave women authority all the time? Now, is Paul a hypocrite? Hello, is Paul a hypocrite? No, he's not a hypocrite. I commend to you our sister who? 
Phoebe, that's a female name, amen? A deacon of the church in Caesarea. Well, last time I checked, deacons aren't supposed to be deacon around. They're supposed to have some authority. So why is he giving a woman authority? And why does this one come at the beginning of the list? Everybody else comes after this one. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church of Centuria. That sounds like he's talking with authority. I commend to you this sister, a deacon. What more could he have said? He said everything you would need to hear in that church. When she comes, she's in charge. When you study the history of the church of Rome, it more than likely came from the outpouring of Pentecost because it had not yet reached the travels of any of the apostles. They had not been there to establish it yet. So when Paul is sending his ambassador to represent his letter, the very letter of Rome they believe Phoebe is carrying, when it came through an ambassador, but ow, it was through Phoebe. Well, I don't listen to women. Well, you're not listening to Paul now. How are you even going to get the book of Romans without Phoebe? I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria. This is where she comes from. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the what? The benefactor of many people, including me. This word benefactor means that she is a helper and an overseer of leaders. Paul said she has even benefited and led me. That's what's packed into that word Phoebe there. And listen to me, I've listened to as many as my Baptist brothers and sisters and those who disagree with me in cemetery, I mean seminary, try to unpack the power of this passage, but it don't work. Uh-uh. No, you're not taking away what a deacon means. A deacon is somebody in charge. And as a matter of fact, what most people believe, up until this point, until elders were in charge, it was apostles using the deacon. So deacon was as high as you could go until they had the elders in charge. And then when it says, receive her in this way, and receive her like you would, like people who walk in the Lord, and then give her whatever she needs... No, that's this not sweet grandma coming to church. That's somebody that's in charge. Can I hear an amen? And then you hear the word benefactor. Oh, that's over. There's no way to just say, oh, this is just a sweet lady named Phoebe. She's just going to come sit in the back. She's just going to testify every now and then. No, no, no. She's coming with the letter. She's in charge. You listen to her. You follow what she says. If she needs anything, you give it to her because she's been an inspiration, a leader to me and to others. And then if it don't stop, it keeps going. Verse 3, greet Priscilla. Notice the woman's name before the man. Understanding that the authority she probably carried as a preacher, teacher, might have been greater than even her husband. Because her name is put first as an honor. And that doesn't mean the husband is just, you know, baloney sandwich over here. It just means that when you looked at the married couple who had the dominant call in ministry, it was the sister. 
And that's why with two of our sisters that we're honoring today, it would be like that with their husbands. It's not that their husbands is just, you know, lame or whatever. No, they're elders. They're serving God. They're amazing. But the call on their wife to be in the forefront and to have the ministerial authority comes first here. Can I hear an amen? And how many know that's the same thing on your job? You can have an amazing female boss, but at home she's just she's snuggly wuggly with her husband. Her husband may be a great strong man and can beat her up if he had to, but on the job she's boss. Can I hear an amen to that? I mean, how many know that just makes sense? Well, that's that's back there. That's back then. Priscilla's not trying to whoop on Aquila. Uh, Priscilla's not trying to say, I wear the pants of my family. She's not trying to say she's better than the man. She's just being honored as probably the chief speaker, the chief leader, the one that God had called to do such and such a thing. And notice what it says. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers. Notice, not just the co-work of Aquila, the man, my co-workers in Christ. You cannot get in the epistles of Paul a higher recommendation of you're doing gospel work than being called his co-worker. And then Phoebe is called his benefactor, not only I, but how many of the churches of the Gentiles? All. How many of them? But all the churches of the Gentiles are what? Grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets in his house, the man's house. Greet the church that meets where? At their house. Plural. And that's why the Bible says in the book of Acts that it was Priscilla and Aquila who discipled Apollos together. Don't you think the Bible uses plurals as accident? Don't think the Bible names people first by accident. Don't think the Bible says they're co-workers plural by accident. Now what does it say next? Keep on going down. Verse 6. Greet Mary who worked hard for you. Wow, I thought women were just supposed to be quiet, not wear the wrong things, and just make babies. Well, here we see them doing the exact work of the apostles. Look at now verse 7. This is my favorite couple right here. Now here's the man, and this could be in our relationship similar to Nancy and I. Greet Andrew, Nikus, and Junia. Greet Joe and Nancy. Okay, So the man's name comes first, and that's significant. So once again, the man may have more of the dominant role. Everybody go, that's all right. Uh, Nancy's amazing too, but it says greet Andrew, Nikus, and Judas. So we know it mattered before and it matters now here. So that's great. Between my wife and I, I have more of the dominant ministerial calling and that's okay. So he says, greet Andrew, Nikus, and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the what? The apostles and they were in Christ before me. Do you know what people have tried to do to take women out of ministry? When the Roman Catholic Church was raising up and they only wanted a boys club and the, women's to be in the, the women to be in the nunnery, do you know what they tried to do that word, Junia? They tried to change it to Junius. As if it was a same-sex apostle couple. <laughs> no, but they were buddies. That's what they were trying to say. It's, it's a man's name because, of, of, of course, there couldn't be a woman apostle. There couldn't be a woman apostle. That has to be a man's name. So they tried to change it. That's one of our variants. So when people say people you know, have changed the Bible, yeah, we've caught them. They tried, and we go back to the script. That's why we have the manuscripts. And it's not Junius. It's Junia. Can I hear somebody say Junia? That's a beautiful name if you want to name your daughter that. But here's the next trick that they try because they go, okay, 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 we admit it. it it's, it's a husband and wife. That makes sense. But this phrase right here, they are outstanding among the apostles. What that means is they were a married couple that the apostles liked. 
So they themselves were not apostles, but they were outstanding among the apostles. But John Christendom blows that up. In the early church, he said, and he was a Greek speaker, he said, not only is this a woman, but her husband and this woman are honored chief among the apostles. He interpreted it for us as it has been properly interpreted by the Greek speakers. This does not mean that the apostles got around in a circle and said, great job, married couple, we love you. No, what it is saying is they are apostles with the apostles. Because there were other apostles than the first 12, minus Judas that I believe replaced by Paul. It says there were other apostles, and this is an example of one of those. And then there's others throughout the scripture in Acts that calls apostles. Apostle just means sent out one. The way we would look at it now is like a church planter or a missionary. Can I hear an amen? And then if you just scroll down a little bit more, just for everybody to see this, you see, greet the household of Narcissus, greet Trifema and Trophius. These women work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another friend, another woman who has worked very hard. Help me preach, preacher in the back. Come on now. Keep on scrolling there. Another woman who has worked hard in the Lord. How many see some women being named here? So going to Acts chapter 2 quickly now. What do I think happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament? I think the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy came to pass. Joel's prophecy came to pass. Go to Acts chapter 2. How many are being encouraged right now? Acts chapter 2 tells us how this was always planned. Just like God intended to use a king, even though they did it by disobedience, he still had a plan. God's backup plans, what, what we think are God's backup plans, is God just simply turning our evil for good. How many could say amen to that? God sees the stupid things we're going to do, and he still turns it to good. He saw that the woman would sin and that things would come upon her, yes, but he has had a plan to turn it for good, just like he had a plan for men. And if you scroll down a little bit, what do you see as this fulfilled prophecy? Joel, verse 16 of chapter 2 of Acts says, No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel on the day of Pentecost. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? All people, your sons and what? Daughters will prophesy. Well, if you're going to prophesy, how many know you have to talk? But Paul told him to be quiet. Is there a contradiction? No, more than likely, Paul's dealing with troublemakers in the church. And so going back to our consistency, here's what I actually believe Paul is doing. Paul is telling the ones, like those who argue with me that are women about women in the ministry, to be quiet. He's telling them to be quiet and let the ones like Phoebe continue to talk. That's the only way I can make sense of it. And trust me, I've spent a lot of time trying to see it the other way. They try to say, well, they can talk, but they can't talk in authority. They can talk, but they can't. I thought prophesying by by its nature had authority. So the moment you prophesy, you have authority. Oh, but they can sing a song. And they put all those butts in there to get, and then, oh, we, we don't have to worry about the braided hair. Yeah, Joe, you're right. That was a cultural thing. Now we don't have to do it. But they'll put us down for doing cultural things. They'll say, oh, you're changing because of feminism. No, no, no. I'm changing because of the new covenant. The new covenant that now said Gentiles get in too. And now male and females will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my servants, both what? Men and what? Women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will what? Prophesy. Amen. So now, are you all ready to bless some women pastors here today? Hallelujah. I learned something in church. I can't wait to talk to my friend now. 
And that's what we do. We teach you. Don't take our word for it. Go back to the word. Ask your friends who don't believe in women preachers. And what does it mean sons and daughters prophesy? Oh, well, that's not preaching on Sunday. Well, tell me any time you find a Sunday morning sermon in the Bible. They didn't think like the way we think now. They met on the Lord's Day, but they didn't meet like the way we consider a church service. You won't see the word church service in the Bible. They gathered together. Well, in that meeting, gathering together, were women allowed to prophesy? Of course they were. Otherwise, how is that fulfilled? And then they begin to say, well, and and this is, I would say, the best way to understand it. They would say, everything Joe said is right, but then they just can't be the senior leadership. So they can be used in the church. All of that's right. But when we look at elders, let me just show it to you real quick. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, they say that the elder must be the husband of one wife. And they go, see, now Joe's right about everything else, but we do have to put the ceiling on eldership here. See, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife. And they say, unless we're talking about lesbians, a woman can't do that. Can, can somebody get where they're coming from there? Okay, but here's the problem. Jesus didn't have a wife on earth. Was Jesus still in charge? Paul writing this didn't have a wife. Was he still in charge? So what are they saying here by temperate, uh, faithful to his wife? What it's saying is he can't be a polygamist. It's saying in the context of marriage, in the context of marriage, the man has to have a wife. That's all that it's saying. And then later on in this same book, it calls women elders. The older women are to teach the younger women. And so that's the primary role of female pastors. Yes, is to work with women because I'm not teaching at the women's conference. Amen. (laughs) There are some men who feel called to do that. Sometimes I question those men, but I want to be careful because one day I might be at a women's conference and I'll be like, I never thought I would be here, but I guess I will preach to you women about the ways of a woman. (laughs) No, I'll just preach to them doctrine. Because if I was to write a book on women, it would be a blank book. You know, if you've ever seen those, all that men know about women, it's like 300 pages, but they're all empty no blank. I have daughters and I'm still confused. I thought I was learning something by having a grown woman like my wife, but now I'm going back to the days of big, pulling on pigtails. I don't understand my daughters. I try to tease them, then they like it sometimes, and they cry on other times, you know. I'm like, I'm back in elementary school. I don't understand how to get along with you, you know. (sighs) Praise God for the different genders, amen. We actually believe that here. So we're not trying to mold them together and say that they're uh, the same. No, there's difference between men and women. And if you're asking me, why does the Bible give the 12 apostles, those those men, that chief authority, why do we see uh, the father being known as a father, even though he has motherly attributes in the Bible, you know, uh, as having the supreme authority? Why didn't Jesus uh, come as the daughter of God, the son of God? So if you see a lot of this masculinity in the Bible, and you might ask, well, where is that coming from? I think that's God's dominant authoritarian nature. It doesn't mean that the woman doesn't have authority or that she is less than. It just means I believe that's God's expression of nature and authority. But doesn't the female aspect explain and show other things of God's nature that the authoritarian male nature doesn't? Like nurturing, like kindness and love and these kinds of fruit of the Spirit that are different from a woman's point of view than a men's point of view. Like when I see my kids, I'm good. My wife wants to catch up on the day. She wants to hang out with 
them. Male, female, my son is always trying to run up back into my mother's womb, both of them, the 11-year-old and the 4-year-old. They just can't get enough of mama. Uh, at the end of the night, I've prayed for them. I've blessed them. You go on your way. My wife will go around to each one of their bedrooms, spend a half hour talking again about their day. I, I'm like, what are you talking about? You've literally just been with them all day. Oh, but that's their special time. That's when they open up. How many know a mother's love is different? When they fall down, go boom, I don't even move. I just go, oh, okay, they're all right. I don't even ask them. I'm like, you're all right. The other day, this is how bad it is for me. Sister Princess was at my, church, at my house. She had to take my daughter into the house to get her help from the mom after she got hit in the head with a, base, a basketball because I wasn't going to do it. We're playing basketball. Dunk hits Joy's head. She looks around to see if she can find sympathy. She found one with Princess, and then she starts crying. Ah, this is for you. This is to let you know how bad I'm hurting, how bad my daddy hurt me. And I just look at her, and I'm like, you're good. And I just went on playing the game. Out of the corner of my ear, oh, you okay? I can hear Princess talking to you. You okay? Oh, no, I'll take you to your mom. Then she walks her inside. And then you could just see, like, as Joy is walking inside with Princess, the way she looks at me. Oh, yeah, this is what I like right here. This is my one right here. See, that's a woman's love. That's different. But does that, does that not express God's, though, in a unique way that I don't? But it doesn't mean she's greater because she expresses God's love, which you could also say is amazing to the character of God. So just because the masculine expresses God's authority in a unique way does not mean better. Everybody say this with me. Different does not mean better. Hallelujah. Now go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I am so excited to bless these sisters. And I always tell myself, sisters, I always tell myself, I got your back, but I don't think I need to bring it up every time. And then lo and behold, every season pastoral appreciation comes around. There's always at least two or three sassy saints that I'm correcting at that same time. And I go, I might as well deal with it now. I'm so serious, and I love, let me just tell you something. I love people even though they disagree with me. The person who did our documentary didn't intentionally want to dishonor Lauren, but called Lauren our administrator, not our pastor, because he comes from a Calvinist background where he doesn't affirm women in the ministry. And it's his, it's, 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 it's his documentary. He put the camera work together. He paid for it, and we didn't take any offense of it. I just noticed it when her title came up. I don't know if anybody ever saw Paint the Wall Black and noticed it, but it's, that's not Pastor Lauren, it's Administrator Lauren. Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor, you should have called him up and told him. No, because here's the thing. Those who know who they are don't get offended at others' misunderstandings of who they are. When I know who I am, I am not, I am not overly defensive of your misunderstanding of who I am. And there are times that you're supposed to stand up and defend yourself. If he would have been rude or been disrespectful, I would have said, hold up, hold up, hold up. You may not appreciate her as a pastor, but she's a pastor around here. So if you don't like that, you can go somewhere else. But I never had to say that. That was just a difference. The same thing is if I was to talk to a Roman Catholic priest, I'm not calling him father because he's not my father. Are you listening to me? And I would say, what's your name? And he'll say, Father Tom. And I'll go, Tom, it's nice to meet you. 
Now, you might be standing around or someone from that background say, you're disrespecting him. You're, you're treating him bad. And I'll just say, no, listen, I just, don't, I just don't see him as my father. I don't see him that way. I can't speak to him that way. I'm not trying to dishonor him. I'm not trying to disrespect him. He's probably a good man in a lot of ways. He might even love Jesus. I'm just saying for me, that's not what he is. And, and that's how we can go about this. And so, brothers and sisters, if you find other Christians that they don't agree with your leadership, I remember one time we had a, a, a young person that was attending a, a, a Christian school, and we sent in Pastor Gaselda to go handle an issue. And it was appropriate to send a pastor there. I think they even requested it. And when a Pastor Griselda showed up, the sister was like, you're the pastor? <laughs> you're the one that we're supposed to be dealing with? She's like, yeah, I'm the pastor. What's up? But you see, there was that, that was that taken back, you know, it was like, oh, I, I was expecting a man to come in here and be the pastor because they came from that tradition. Now, here's the good thing. They honored her as the pastor and they resolved the situation because if they would have said, we're not resolving unless there's a man coming, I would say, you got the best that we have to get. Now move on. I'm not coming. Are you listening to me? If you didn't receive Pastor Gaselda, let me tell you something. When I come in that office, you will not be receiving me after about 30 seconds. Because I will not be coming in quietness and humility. I will be coming to, I'll be coming in humility. I won't be coming in quietness and shyness, I should say. I'm coming to rebuke your behind and say what she said is exactly what I'm saying. And my, my male parts don't make it any more true. Can I hear an amen to that? And that's the purpose of all of this. Your male parts or your feminine parts don't make the Bible more true or less true. That's why sometimes when we look at what a brother Juan is going through as we go out there to the abortion ministry and somebody says, you don't have a uterus, your voice doesn't count, we do not receive that kind of stupidity. My voice counts because I speak the truth. I don't have to be a red-headed, speckled uh, stepchild to understand that you better treat uh, Opie good at night. Amen? Let him have something to eat too. Okay, you don't have to be one to understand one. You can have what's called sympathy. How many know what sympathy is? And empathy, and they're trying to say now they're different things, but I think they're pretty much the same. Sympathy and empathy is just putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, caring about others, and standing up for the right cause. Amen. Now go to chapter 5, please. Oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this right now because I, uh, I might preach this the rest of this service because it's all about the church, isn't it? And our first service series has been on the church, but let's really honor these folks. Let them testify to you about the joy it has been to, to be your pastors and your leaders. First Timothy chapter 5, uh, verse 17 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. The worker deserves his wages. You see, we as a church want to honor those who are over us and work hard alongside of us. We want to show our gratefulness to these sisters. We want to honor them. And just as an encouragement to you, what it means to be a pastor, a leader, an elder in this church, someone that has that authority, is it means they went to Bible college, they graduated, accredited, so they have a degree, so they're professionals in their field. It then means that they've gone through a time of internship and testing, and then they begin to experience their gifts in the church, and they learn and adjust as they grow to become a better leader. And as the old saying goes, the church will develop their pastors. 
and the pastors will develop the church. Do you see how that goes? How many would say that's the same as being a parent? That your children are helping you develop as a parent. In other words, without their help and without them showing you what they need and don't need, you would not know what it means to be a good parent. Because if you were just taking it on your own authority all the time, you may be hurting them and not even knowing it. So there's a dance. They're showing you what they need. Now, that doesn't mean they're in charge, but they're showing you what they need. And as they're doing that, they're making you out to be a good parent because they're showing you what patience you need. Amen. Compassion and love, even those things with joy. She's helping me become a better dad. And it's the same thing that then I help her become a better daughter. I'm not a daughter, but I can be a father. Right? I am not a mother, but I can support my wife as a mother. And so that's what we're called to do. And we look at the different genders, and, and you don't want to be stereotypical, but yes, you're generally going to see women work with women. You're generally going to see women be the kind of godly women that even men want to marry and have in their family. So when you think about the role, like when I was uh, growing up in the ministry, what Pastor Joanne Miller did in my life when I was in Bible college, because I was raised up under male and female pastors, is she showed me what a godly woman should be. So that I needed her authority in my life. And how many know women are not quiet in the home? They need to raise their children. Well, why wouldn't you do that in the house of God? Amen. Can I hear an amen to that? Even among the Roman Catholics, they'll say everything they want about women and only male priests, but it seems like you sure listen to Mother Teresa a lot. Seemed like Mother Teresa taught you all a whole lot. Seemed like she had quite a bit of authority, even though they regulated it, but it seemed like she had a lot of good to offer them. And so when you look at godly women in their place of authority, not only do they lead the women and say, here's, this is what it's like to be a godly woman, is they're also leading men to understand this is what a wife should be. This is what a mother should be. This is what godly leaders should be. This is what you want your daughters to be. And so I'm thankful for that. And then I'm also thankful, as we'll get, uh, hopefully, for the rest of our service today, when we learn about the different gifts, man, wh what a shame it would be to neglect the gift of Deborah, thinking that we don't need her, or the gift that God has given Phoebe, we don't need that. I think like that's literally trying to ride a unicycle to the, to the uh, you know, to the uh, Tour de France and try to keep up with guys on two wheels. How many know a bike with two wheels will go faster than a bike with one wheel? So I look at these churches that are so much against women in the ministry and all they have them doing is being wives and, and, and mothers, nothing against that, but that's, they just regulate their role. Man, you're missing out on a prophetic voice. What if your best teacher was a woman? Come on, how many know there's great teachers that are women? What if your great, what if the best one that could explain the Trinity was a sister, and yet all you have her doing is, is doing the felt board or the Sunday school with veggie tales, and she's, she's ready to equip your entire church about the Trinity. You've held that back. Or the same thing is with, uh, you know, I look at Heidi Baker. Our, our missionaries that we support, uh, Gene and Tisa, are with Heidi, and I believe his name is Jim or what is his name, Roland Baker, and notice that, and, and this is a good example of what we were talking about before with Priscilla and Aquila. Whenever I think of the Bakers, I always say Heidi, and then I forget the husband's name. 
And it doesn't mean I don't love the husband. It's just Heidi's the one that was called to go get her PhD. And then she got the anointing to go into the world and start being a missionary. And of course, the husband felt the same call. But she went to Mozambique, Africa and started the the orphanages. And who was the one primarily always speaking? It was Heidi. And through Heidi Baker, of course, with Roland as a husband, but through her, her gift of teaching and reaching as an apostle, think about this, five. 5,000 churches have been planted around the world. Heidi Baker. See, I think of Heidi. Imagine, think think about this, brothers and sisters. Imagine sitting on a Heidi Baker and be like, all you do, sister, is you take care of the women's conference. You just teach the children. And then here, you can see what you would be holding back. When God loosed that woman into ministry, not only is she speaking to men when she's going out, she is speaking to nations and to kings and to presidents and to leaders. Why would you want to hold back Deborah and say, why don't you just stay back here? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I know they look at those scriptures different, but it doesn't give me the full space of scripture. And so this is what I want to encourage you with, is even if you're a man, and obviously you shouldn't be meeting alone with any woman as a married man or with married women. So sometimes, let me just say this, I'll be talking to, you know, young ladies in the church and we'll be in a group, and God bless their dear hearts, because I know what they mean. Uh, They'll say something like, oh, pastor, it's so good I see you here at this outreach. I just don't talk to you enough. I just want to share with you all these things. And always in the back of my head, I want to say, well, isn't it a good thing, sister? You're 40. 46-year-old married pastor's not hanging out with your 20-year-old female self, right? Be aware of the pastor who's always hanging out with the young ladies for spiritual mentorship. But I know their heart. Their heart is like, I love you, Pastor. I hear you speak all the time, and now I get to be next to you and tell you some cool things. That's great. But listen, a pastor doesn't have, Pastor Pixie does, that now that you've told me your thing, it's somehow better than what you've told Lauren. It's like when Lauren came, there was only so much of the anointing. But when you just talked to me, oh, it was amazing. No, my wife and I, we, uh, we were careful not to fall for that really on in ministry. And my wife is the first baller blocker of that move. My wife saw it early on when there were some females, and they were like, oh, I don't get this from anybody else but you, Pastor. And my wife was like, hold up. Hold up. You better be getting that from me first. I'm your girl. I'm the one you come to. You don't need his number for late at night talks about your boyfriend. You need my number. And then you see over time, they they, they get offended. And then they leave, you know, and then they'll say something silly. And it's like, no, we know your business. And, and let me just say this, because not every woman going through a hardship wanting to hear from a man has a bad heart. That's why we teach our men when they do things with women to do it with their spouses. So if you want to hear a man's perspective on it, Pastor Bertel should do it with Pastor Gaselda there. That's just our way of doing things in the church. I know the counselors do it differently, but listen, many of those counselors need counseling too. They have just as much a divorce rate and messed up family lives. We're trying to do something different here. So if you need a man's voice, if you're like, hey, man, I'm a single mom and I need to hear from a man. Okay, what we're not going to do is give you the pastor's you know, number and you guys go meet for coffee and hang out. No, no, we're going to invite you over to the house. You're going to see the husband and the wife together, and then you can pull them aside and say, hey, let me talk to you, Berta, with, with Griselda here. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I'm trying to figure this out. I need a man's perspective on this. And that's biblical. That's godly. Amen. 
Amen. So we want to honor them and have them testify. And then whatever time is left, I'll share some more things. But let's give it up for Pastor Lawrence Sienski and Pastor Catherine Escobar. Come on, give it up for these mighty women of God. Amen. I'm going to let them share for a few moments, and then we're going to bless them with some gifts and some generosity of the church. Our gifts that my wife and I give come from your generosity. I want to make that clear. And I want you to hear from them because what I think oftentimes is we don't hear enough from them. That's why we often, you know, get them to do the transitions, and whenever we're out of town, we have them speak. And, and sometimes I just want them to speak even while I'm in town. Can I hear an amen to that? Uh, you know, it's just they're so gifted. They're so blessed. If you've ever gotten to know them and been in their ministry, I know that you see they have a wonderful reputation. But for some of you who are new to the church, make time to get to know them. Take them out to lunch. Get to spend time with them, especially the sisters as well and uh, the families. Come over to their house. Their husbands are amazing. Let's give it up for Brother Andrew Sienski and Daryl Esquivel. Amen. Those men are both elders. They both have the highest level of integrity. And Daryl's actually in Bible college as if he didn't have enough to do being a father, being an engineer. But he feels the call to stand with his wife and to be the highest level of leadership here. Amen. So we applaud him. And he's an A student. I've had him in class. He's amazing. And I think I've had both of you in class at one time or another. Not you, just you. You are a good student. Thank you. Thank you. God is good. I can say with a clear conscience that it is the joy of my heart to be able to serve you in this church. Uh, it is an honor, a privilege to be able to stand on this stage, to work closely with the Wyrostics, and just to do what I do in this church. It is a gift of God, and I don't take it lightly, and I am just so thankful. Thank you. Every day I work with some of you, some more than others, and the interactions are beautiful. I love you. I'm thankful for your families. I'm thankful for you. And please know that you are always in my heart. The, the married couples, the families, I do pray for you. I think of you often. And I'm just so thankful for this church and the opportunity that I have had to be here and serve the Lord with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's been a great honor and a blessing to serve the church. Um, I grew up in church. I've always knew the Lord. Um, and then at one point, I left the church. And so coming back, Metro Praise was the first church that I came back to. And it's been an honor and a blessing to continue to serve the Lord. I always told myself when I began Bible college, one of the first things that I said, well, I'll, I'll go because I really feel it in my heart because God's really telling me to do this. But I'm specifically not called to pastor and then I said, I am more specifically not called to youth ministry. Like, fine, I'll do the pastoring, but not the youth, not the teenagers. And God specifically put me in that place. And so I say that as a testimony. It is a blessing and an honor to know all of your children, from King's kids, I've served in many years, to elevate now as teenagers, seeing them just do mighty things for the kingdom of God. I love all of you guys. I love all your children. It's a blessing to serve them. It's a blessing to serve each and every one of you. And then I pray that that is a testimony for you guys. See, every time that I said, okay, I'm specifically not doing this, and then I'm also not doing that, then if I'm going to do this, then I'm not going to do that. And God said, I am in control. I have called you. I will lead and affirm every step. And he has that word for each and every one of you guys as well. Amen. 
Ushers, could we have two of these chairs put up here before the kids come with their gifts? Because I want to just keep going with this. How many love when church is like this? You feel the Holy Spirit, the love. So you sisters sit down. We're going to have people testify. You know how it is. You know how we do it. Um, I didn't say exactly what they did, so I apologize for that, especially if you're new to our church. Uh, but here's something to understand about how we do pastoral leadership. The way we look at pastoral leadership, even myself, everything is fluid. Uh, that you will see people park in stations for a while, but even myself, I was the youth pastor, the worship leader, all of these different positions at one time or another. And so what that just basically means is that they're qualified to kind of manage and go over any part of the ministry, even if they're not directly in it. Uh, able to do that. But where they have parked right now is uh, Lauren is our chief administration uh, officer. So our uh, COO, chief operation officer rather. She just holds everything together and she's earned that title uh, well uh, over a hundred million times. Like she saved the day. She's awesome. But she also has an amazing gift to work with our children. She does King's Kids. And then she's helping us with the Bible College. And then as as uh, Pastor Catherine was sharing is that she feels called now to the youth ministry after saying she didn't want to do the youth ministry, which I can relate to that. God put me there as well. He has a sense of humor. And uh, she also works with our Bible college and then with our life groups and discipleship. So we can just bless the Lord for all that they do. Amen. Okay. So as we have the young people come up and give them their gifts, I would like to have maybe two or three people testify about something they've done good in their lives. So who would like to start by testifying? Come up here, Marcella. Thank you, sisters. You guys are doing amazing. And then maybe if we could have the other two. Okay, so Daniela, and we have one more left. Danielle, sorry. One more. Danny, right? Danny, sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, and then we'll have Juan end us out. So there will be Marcella, Danny, and then Juan. So I want to testify on Lauren and what she has done and the impact that she's done in my life. I've known her since I was 16. I'm 26 now. And she has seen me through many, many stages of my life, um, from being 16 and pregnant, being a single mom, and now a wife, and in Bible college. So it's just, it, it's, it's been a long road, but I'm, I'm very thankful for you and all the encouragement and rebukes and everything that you've given me, like from when I was 16 to now, you have impacted my life in, in a beautiful way, and I look up to you in many, many ways. I can say so much about both of you. Um, one thing that I always keep in my heart as a student at Bible College, I'm like, man, they both have done it, and look at where they're at now on one day. That's going to be me, and you guys encourage me so much as being amazing mothers and leaders and pastors and it's always a fun time when we're always together, and there's so many memories <laughs> that I can laugh for hours about, and it's just an honor to be under you two, and then in Jesus' name, one day next to you guys as I continue going strong for Jesus, but you guys are such an inspiration to me, and I'm so honored to be you guys' friends, so thank you so much. Um, by God's grace... Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of people just generally in, in my life, professionally and ministerially. And um, every time I have a problem or something comes up in ministry and I need it to run it by you guys, I'm always thinking to myself, man, the last thing Catherine or Lauren need right now is another problem that I'm going to bring, you know, or another uh, situation that's that's happened because I know you both have many children and wear many hats. And um, 
I'm just so blown away by every time I bring something to you both. Um, it's just fulfilled and done with so much grace and so much love. And even when at, when I look at your lives, I'm like, well, there's just no way they, they can handle this one because it's just so much they're doing already. I'm just always so taken aback by how excellent you both do things. And it is a, a great inspiration for me. And I mean that not just ministerially, but in the world of people that I've worked with, you two display God's excellence beautifully every time. And I praise the Lord for you guys. Hi. <laughs> hey, girl. Um, so I just, yeah, I came here in 2013, um, single mom, pregnant, two kids already, and then one in my stomach. And um, Lauren has just been a rock, literally, like, in my life. Um, and if, I mean, obviously, if it wasn't for God, you know, but God also puts people in your path. And he knew that she was what I needed because I came in here and I was very broken and I was uh, very timid. I, I was a hot mess dealing with anxiety, depression, like just, and she had a single mom's group, but not only was it the group, it was just the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, she put things aside to, met, to meet with me, to be there for me, to take me out, to help me grow, to just hear my stories, you know, to be the shoulder to cry on and to just push me to go forward. And something that I love about you too is you never, you never held me down. It wasn't like a, you know, I'm, I'm bigger and better than you, so you better shut up and listen to me or anything like that. It was more like, let me help you. Like, put your foot on mine. Like, you literally, it was more like, put your feet up here so I can boost you up. You know, let me show you what God can do through you. You are going to go to do great things, great things, you know. And she, that is what she did. And the best part is, that is who she is. So it's not like what she did then, but this is a woman that has, is true to the test of time, you know. Since my life, 2013, it is now what? Going to be 2024. And she is still a rock. She is still a pillar. She is still all those things. And if you guys have not gotten to know her, I encourage you to do so because she will boost you up. She's not going to keep you down. This woman will empower you to be bigger, better, stronger for Jesus. And then Catherine, I adore you. She's in my daughter's life, and she's doing the same thing for my daughter, which is amazing. Yeah, so it's just an honor to have them here. It is an honor to serve them and to serve Jesus alongside them. So, yes, that's it. Thank you. Awesome. Would you two sisters stand up here with your husbands and family? Uh, maybe have the children come as well. We just want to pray for you and honor you. Congregation, we don't want to take them for granted. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart with my wife, Nancy, would you come on up here? I'll have you pray the pastoral blessing from one pastor to another. One of the things that I'll be sharing today is how pastors and leaders are peers, just as all the body of Christ is a family, brothers and sisters. But even among pastors, I just want to let you know that my wife and I, we honor you in our lives. We want you to speak and to pastor us, counsel us, love us, help us as we do that in your life. And to see like how your families have flourished as pastors, I hope that you've enjoyed the journey. So oftentimes ministry gets a bad rap, especially for the women who then step out in the ministry. The husbands will say, well, my wife 
wife's never home. She's burned out. She's not taking care of the kids. So, brothers, I hope that you have seen a different testimony because we would never want her to put the ministry above her family. And so as she's in that unique position, we are grateful for her. Also, I just want to make mention that Lauda is on vacation, which was ill-planned on our part. So, Lord willing, we will do this next week with her family as well. Uh, but just to wrap this up before my wife prays, encouragement to you as a family, for my wife and I, who have maybe a decade more in this, I don't know how many years if we wait it all out, but I would just say, that which is good, keep doing. It doesn't have to be so like new thing, new thing. Really what works, stick with it. How you guys do your devotions, how you manage your, your intimate times, your date nights, you know, just stick with it. If you ever feel like something's stuck, that's when I address it. But I, I don't think that habits are a bad thing as long as they're producing good fruit. So my heart for you would be to not be under pressure to have to always do something new and to perform and think that next level means busyness, busyness. So develop those things that work in your life. Like my wife and I, you know, when we first got married, she wasn't really big into cooking. But of course, as our family grew, she got more into cooking. And now she takes it upon herself to like cook and bring food to the youth group, which is like a new thing she's doing. But I'm like right behind her because she does it for the leaders, you know. And I'm like right behind her. I'm like, be careful, be careful because they might expect it every week and the one week you don't, you know. So like I'm there. But if that's a tradition that she loves, then go for it. If it's producing good fruit, right? And then at the same time, just always, you know, you guys know this, but I'm just encouraging you as your pastor. Always remember that the flow comes from heaven to earth. Not, it doesn't start here. It's not works of the flesh. It's always what does God think about your family? What does God think about you? What is God asking you to do? Is it time for vacation? Is it time to move? Is there a, a you know, Bible college, master's degree? Like you're going back to school even right now. It's all what God says. When Nancy said to me, and I think you were pregnant then when you wanted to get the master's degree? We got pregnant afterward. Yeah, that's God's sense of humor once again. She comes to me. We've been married forever. We have so many. We had five at that time. And then she's like, well, God told me to go get my master's degree. And I know that sounds familiar because that's what you want. And I'm like, hold up. I didn't say you had to do that, you know, because sometimes the husbands, we want to be the ones pushing. She's like, no, God said to do it. And I'm like, but we homeschool and we work in a church and we do this and that. She passed with flying colors, just like I know you are. So here's the thing. Whatever God says is the next thing, like it's you going to the youth ministry, or I know you guys are helping with JBQ and our team Bible quizzes, you know, all of these things. Uh, I just pray God's empowerment without any condo bondo. And then I'll let my wife share, and then we'll pray. I think Joe has said a lot, but I will definitely add that you both, the families here, as, as well as the Morales says, you are a treasure to us. You are a treasure to this church. We, and then to us personally as well. And uh, we definitely never take it for granted that your families are here. We are honored, truly honored that we get to co-labor with you in the kingdom to see souls saved, disciples made, leaders raised up. And should the Lord tarry, we will be getting to do this for two, three, four more decades, right? Um, but we just can't say it enough. We're just, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. We want everybody in the congregation to, to do the same, to feel the same way. And you are always in our prayers. We want to continue to be able to be there for each other, spurring each other on to see God show up in our nation and to the nation. So please know that you have a voice to speak, not only to the children, not only to the teens, but to the nations on the, of the earth. Amen. So if you can all stretch forth your hand. As we pray for these precious families and these two powerful women of God, Lord, we thank you 
for the Sciensky family, the Esquivals, and the Moraleses. We thank you for the mighty power of God that is over them, the call to be elders in the house of the Lord. And we specifically lift up Lauren and Catherine. We thank you for the works that you've called them to fulfill, the good works that you've called them to do. We ask for a double portion of your anointing from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, God, as you equip them for works of service, as you equip them to build the church, the saints of Christ, to raise up disciples, God, and even the ones in their own home, God, that their, their children would be their disciples. So I just pray, God, for the prophetic to continue to be released, that they would continue to speak with power, boldness, and authority without fear of man, walking 100% in the power of the Holy Ghost. So I just thank you for their lives. I pray they would continue to live and feel your goodness, your faithfulness, and the glory of God every day they wake up. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Bless their ministries. Bless everything that their hands touch. I pray for favor in the workplace, God, even as Catherine is in the school system. I just ask that you would be glorified in all that they do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Grab all these goodies. Ushers, would you help them, please? In the last few moments that we have, can I have the uh, band come on up here with the altar workers? I would like to end today with the passage that I'll be getting into by God's grace next week. And that's in the passage of Romans chapter 12. Would you turn there with me, please? Thank you, brothers. I want to encourage you today to go hard for God with whatever he's called you to do. We are in a sermon series on the body of Christ, the church. And I hope today you saw a great lesson concerning that. Go on down, my brother, please, to verse 3. Notice what it says here about the body of Christ as these precious elders and deacons come up, male, female, young, and older. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, how many of you? How many of you? Every one of you. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. You see, thank you, brother. We should not think anyone is greater or less than here. We each have our calls, and we're doing what the Lord asked us to do. Now I want to ask you, what do you feel God's calling you to do? Because one of the greatest excuses that I see people make in a good church like this, somebody say a good church thank you. A good church is that people will sit in a chair like this. And what did they used to call a chair like this back in the day? A pew. And they won't want to get up and move for God. Therefore, their attitude will begin to stink. And that's why they call it a pew. Because people will sit here, even in a good church, and they'll say, well, I don't think I could ever do what they do. I don't like what that one does, so I don't want to get close to this one. And they start making up an attitude of criticism and being critical as well as denying the call on themselves. Where the Bible says, no, that's not the way you're supposed to look at it. When you see Sister Iris up here, you're not supposed to think that she's so amazing you can never be like her. And at the same time, you're not supposed to look at her and be critical of her. So you don't make her your idol and you don't make her the one that you bring all your complaints to either. What do you make her? Your example. That's it. 
So if there's ever something in Sister Iris's life that you go, oh, I would do that differently. Okay, well then do it differently. But look up to her and how she does what she does. Oh, I don't know if I would do what Juan did. Okay, cool. Do what you're supposed to do, but be as faithful as Juan has been to it. We've had people leave the church because of how they feel about the leaders from both of those areas. Sometimes people, I'm telling you, will put me up in some of these leaderships on such a high pedestal that when we make one mistake, they leave the church. I had one couple that loved us so much, they were here for almost three years, and they got offended with Lauren over one phone call that they said, we're up and leaving the church. We were shocked. So we got everybody on the phone. We stayed up on the phone till three in the morning. And at the end, you know what they said? They go, okay, I guess you guys are right. It wasn't that big of a deal. I can, I can forgive them. They weren't even willing to forgive Lauren at that point. And, and three in the morning, they find, oh, I think I can forgive. And so me as the pastor, I'm thinking, sigh of relief. Okay, it was worth missing some Z's. Okay, good, so we'll see you Sunday then. Oh, no, 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 we're done. I said, you're kidding me. Oh, well, I'm just saying I forgive them, but I still feel it's, it's good for us to leave the church. That's what the wife said. And I said, you're, you're kidding me. Oh, I, don't, I just don't think I could ever really see them as a good leader again. I forgive them. But they're just not the same in my eyes anymore. I, I just, I think I need to find another church. And I am like, what would a church be if the leaders treated you like that? Yes, you said you were going to come at 3 o'clock, but you didn't because you were busy to our one-on-one. -on -one. So you know what? We're done with you. Don't come to Metro Praise anymore. Could you imagine that? Oh, you're struggling with pornography, brother. You just confessed it to us for the 30th time. Okay, well, we forgive you for that, but you're done. Leave the church. I looked at that uh, phone in utter disbelief, and almost with tears in my eyes, I said, well, okay, we'll bless you then. Lord, bless them. Help them find a good church. Be with their family, and let them know we love them. And it was one of the most saddest phone calls and I began to get that realization that sometimes people will make idols out of the title of a pastor or a leader. And then now it's like, no, you can't be my pastor or leader. You know they don't do that with their parents. You know they don't do that with their boss. Dear God, what do they put up on their job? You know they don't do that with the city. They've been living here for years with corrupt aldermans. But, you know, one well-intentioned person that had an argument and asked for forgiveness and you worked it through, it's still not good. No, come on, brothers and sisters. Let's get away from that. And then the other side of it is I've been around people who have just been so critical, just so critical. It's just they, they cannot ever receive from anybody. I had one gentleman, he was in the church, and uh, I had met him, and I thought it was such a God thing because for about a year, God told me to wear Chicago for Jesus stuff wherever I went. So in the summer, all I wore was a Chicago for Jesus shirt, and in the winter, I would wear the Chicago for Jesus hoodie. And I had a little funny uh, Facebook post that I put up, and I said, hmm, what am I going to wear as I scrolled through about five Chicago for Jesus shirts and five Chicago for Jesus hoodies? I don't if anybody remembers back in the day. But I just felt the Lord told me to do that. And I always used to tease people, Brother Juan, who say that the Lord tells them what cereal to eat in the morning or what shoes to put on. And here I'm the one walking around, and my wife is like, why are you wearing that? Because God told me to wear it. I'm wearing the same shirt everywhere I go, baby. Okay, and so I met this brother, 
out at a farm by our uh, house at this time of the year. You know, when you go to the farm, you know, you, you pay people so that you can pick vegetables, right? So you pay them so you can go out there and pick vegetables. And, and they stopped me and they go, oh, Chicago for Jesus, what's that? We're looking for a church. Well, long story short, they ended up coming to the church, and they always felt a special connection to us, right? There's always like, man, I met the pastor, and that's why I come to that church. But every time I would talk to this brother, he would complain about Jared, complain about Bertle. Those are our other pastors. Oh, well, Jared told me this, and then he did this, and one time Jared did that, and one time Bertle did this. And then I would say to him, I would say, bro, just give him grace, dude. Well, long story short, I can't get into details, but one of the most incredibly wicked and confusing things happened in this brother's life that we had to deal with, and we had to have grace to the moon. I'm talking the grace that he had to apply to Pastor Berto and Jared is the kind of grace you would use for lip gloss, okay? Like, just like a thin layer of grace was needed. What this gentleman went through, he needed so much grace, you could not fill it in a silo at a farm. Now that I'm thinking about a farm, I mean, you, you understand what I'm talking about. And then they left the, the church offended, and I am like, you just don't understand grace. You just don't get the body of Christ. You were always overly critical, and then now when you blow up, and those same pastors and me are here to pour out so much grace on you, so much more than you ever gave, you're just going to roll out because of all your problems, and maybe it might be embarrassing for people to see you like that. Somebody say, God, have mercy. Brothers and sisters, let me just ask you this one more time. Are you ready to do with the grace of God what he's given you to do with it? Because for just as each one of us is one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ Jesus, though we many form one body, and each member belongs to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Did you find anything on that list that maybe God has blessed you with? I hope that he has. Would you stand up with me today? Give it up for Jesus blessing his church with great leaders. We love you, Lord. Love